It's Survivor's Friendly Fire Show, episode 215, for the start of October 2022. I am tired. Uh, I'm also called Steve Wright. Uh, I'm back from Italy. This is the first not pre-recorded show we've had in two weeks. It's very exciting. Uh, we'll mm. get into that in a second, I'm sure, though. Joining me, of course, my friend and yours, Mr. Ben Salter. Hello, Ben. How have you been just, like, slumming it in Adelaide instead of jet-setting across the world? That's right. You've been traveling in this like post-travel world where it's a thing again. So very jealous. Uh, I hope to do it. Well, I'm going to do it next year. So it's going to be fun for me. But you've just done it now. Yes. So well, been... Japan opened its borders back up since I've been away, I think. Or maybe That's just right. before. I can't remember. But uh, they're, they're opening like next week, I think. But we can't go next week, but we could go next year. So that's the plan. Well, unless something catastrophic happens and we're forced back into our... Don't talk about that. <laughs> Don't worry about what could happen. Let's talk about what did happen. You actually did it. And nothing catastrophic happened. No, except it was weird because on every flight to Europe, I was sitting beside a person who had a mask on for like the first five seconds of the flight. And then they took their mask off yeah. immediately and just relied upon those around them to do the right thing. Um, but the longest flight to Europe that I had straight to Abu Dhabi... The person beside me like literally took off his mask and then fell asleep, but pointed his face directly at me and proceeded to like in his sleep cough on my arm about mm. every half an hour. So I just had like a giant thing of hand sanitizer and just had to keep wiping my arm down. So it was like in terms of anxiety, my levels were quite high. Um, but like once you're in Europe, especially Italy, like everybody pretty much had COVID. So no one seemed to care. Like it was just like... So I, I got over it pretty quickly. Uh, I was sick before I left. And if you listen to like all of the episodes that we've had for the past, I don't know, four weeks, you'll hear that I'm like super nasally. I just had like a post nasal drip the entire time to the point where I'm on antibiotics now because by packs, I'll be good again, theoretically. Um, it was weird for the whole time in a different country, like having like a little bit of a tickle and a cough in your throat and just trying to be like, don't cough. No, oh. like I'm not, it's not COVID, but Oh God. Um, but anyway, uh, Firenze was amazing. Uh, it, like literally it's Assassin's Creed too. like to the point where both Matt and I like kind of did this like involuntary move at the um, big, open area i forget that they're all mixed in my head now but like there's a place that you go in Firenze, and you it's like well not Firenze. Firenze was the duomo there's a place in venice where it's like everything around it is restricted area and matt and i both kind of like tensed up because like we felt like we couldn't be there because we'd get caught out by imaginary guards if that makes sense mm, uh, you've been totally overtaken by ubisoft so they've infected you Pretty much. Uh, yeah. Firenze was amazing. The Duomo, uh, we like stayed right on top of it. It was like the best view. Uh, it rained just catastrophically one night. And the ceiling above our bed just started leaking. So that was a weird night. Just It was like amazing and picturesque. And like the weather was cool. But then like we just had to sleep in the kitchen on a mattress on the floor. It was house anyway. Yeah, well... And literally, I could have climbed out the window onto a roof and, like, onto the Duomo, but I uh, resisted the urge because I think I would have gotten in trouble. Yeah, you know how to do it, though. You should not do that. <laughs> Correct. Um, mm. 
So I had a really cool couple weeks. You had maybe the NBN? Is it is it time for an NBN update? Can you not feel the power of fiber, Steve? It's finally in. Uh, NBN will only install your new fiber cable to like the furthest away wall. So it's like miles away the router. But so anyway, it's still better. It's like solid quality fiber. I'm getting like 220-ish down on my Xbox and PlayStation downloads. Uh, fabulous. So I would highly recommend it if you can get it. Took them ages to install it, like three or four um, appointments, but good. It's free as well. And worth the effort now that it's yeah. done. <laughs> One more step. I need to now get another man to come and install like a Ethernet cable in the wall somewhere so I can move the router back inside, um, which should be easy, but it's hard to book anyone these days. You just need to, you need to wait to get someone. Yeah, like Powerline probably will work in the interim or no. It oh, you're on probably in... different circuits or something in your house. Yeah, and I'm talking the cable that goes from the MBM box to the router, like the actual, the, the first level step. So the router has to be next to my car in the far wall of the garage. If it was on the other side of the garage, it could have popped through the wall into like the house. Yeah. But the guy's just like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm like, can't do it. Too much. It's not like that's beyond the bare minimum that we do. Apparently, you just get lucky with your MBM guy if they're going to do it or not. Because the other two guys who came before that, like, dug a whole trench and like dug up my driveway and repaved it over like two days and came back on a Saturday morning to finish it. Like they did a good job. So could could, could, could like, you yeah. come back and drill holes through all my walls and like set up the, the cabling to get in? Yeah. It's yeah. so hit and miss. And like, I get why, like these people are probably just like maxed out all day, every day doing this for people. And like, I'm sure most insta installations aren't easy, but mm. like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what I have found is working quite good. Not as good, but pretty good is like an AI mesh like backhaul over 5G. So I've got a second router pretty close to me now. Um, and it gives like, so previously when I first tried it and I did like the far away Xbox download test, it was like the same as my shitty old connection. And I just tried this. I was like, I'll use the second router to get like the Wi-Fi and plug into that way better. And it makes sense. Like an actual router has a good Wi-Fi chip in it and a console probably has a pretty small one. So... Uh, yeah, anyway, that's my hot tip. If you can't get a cable in your renting, just like mesh together some things and you'll get a better better result. Just duct tape and hope, really, and see how you go. Yeah, but it's wireless duct tape, so it's fine. <laughs> no. Well, nice. Uh, we are literally two days away from PAX Australia. I was really yeah. confused in one of the recordings because, you know, I had nothing better to do when I was basking on my holidays than to listen to us, even though I knew what we talked about. Oh, goodness, Stuart. <laughs> that's how... Oh, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not even going to unpack that. Carry on. I was dedicated. But PAX Australia, at the time of listening to this, it's literally one day away. Um, we're recording this on yeah. Wednesday. The Australian Game Developer Awards uh, are taking place. I, uh, I, am a, I, was, I, I guess I am currently still a judge uh, and just didn't go because sort of feeling a little bit post-nasal drip and trying to sort that out before I see people. Uh, it's the busiest time this weekend, involved. Steve. Yeah. Got to relax. Exactly. Um... But by the time this comes out, this podcast, that is, um, we'll already have known that Cult of the Lamb basically cleaned up. It won four of the 13, I believe, awards, including Game of the Year, of course. Uh, Wildflowers, which is, I think, on Steam now and was like basically a mobile game, won two awards. Um, I think Victoria ultimately took 10 of the 13 awards. I, this is, again, not a fact-based show, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm pulling the facts out. Of, of my behind um so it's, it's very interesting and i think the the 
overarching message is that there's a lot of really good games coming out of Australia. And of course, that's what PAX is about. There's going to be a ton of indies set up um, through the weekend. Probably nothing else, really. Um, so a lot of cool okay. things to check out. Yeah. That was our tip anyways. Ignore the big publishers because they have such gigantic lines normally for stuff which you can just go buy. Uh, and the indies are normally more interesting. Of course, it's cooler if there are kind of the, at least the console owners are there with something to show. Uh, but they haven't been for years. So like that's already not what PAX is about anymore. So go check out the cool indie games. I think the biggest draw card in terms of like big spectacles could be the Amazon Prime Video booth. Um, it's like three different rooms. One's themed for the boys. One's themed for Lord of the Rings, whatever that is called. Power of Ring the Ring. Power, yeah, th there we go. And the other one is uh, Jack Ryan. So you can go and kind of like do little like mini game things themed on these TV shows and then you walk away with like pins, swag. And uh, that's what PAX is all about, right? Swag. All the swag. swag. I would prefer like a three month free of Amazon Prime, but whatever. Whatever you want to give me. Well, there you go. Um, in terms of eating and drinking places, because that's what you wanted to talk about, because I'm yeah, cheating well, we, just we reading the that. notes. We did a PAX preview already, but we haven't done what to do when you pop out of PAX. So when you've had enough of all the people and you just want to sit down for a little bit, where should you go nearby? I blew your mind today because I had to go to Apple for something that I can't talk about yet. You can probably figure it out because I'll tell you tomorrow as of Thursday at like 3 p.m. Um, but the five guys in Freshwater Place, so basically right near Crown... Uh, is now mm. open and I went in not wanting to get five guys because it was like three in the afternoon I just wanted to get a coke freestyle drink and have coke cherry vanilla diet something and they don't have one they just have a normal fountain okay. drink thing and it's like that blasphemy. makes sense blast because like such an American thing that weird multi-coke machine I've never seen it outside of America I had one in Italy just saying and Italy okay well that's I don't mind <laughs> and London that. Well, I'm going to go get Five Guys at some point. Uh, that's pretty close by. Well, that's cool. I'll absolutely go with you, by the way. So don't don't think I'm not having Five Guys just because of the lack of freestyle. But It's going to be so busy, though. So we might have to go for like a brunch Five Guys or something. Something to get in before the... Yeah, it wasn't busy get. today, but I guess it's not PAX today. So that also makes sense. But we can get takeaway and then just go and sit if it's not raining. Yeah. In the well, vast I open will... spaces. Five Guys is great. The burgers are great. It is outrageously expensive for fast food. So like a burger and fries is going to cost you like 30 bucks Australian. It's, I last had it in London, I think, and that's about what it costs. Like it's, it's ridiculous. It's not worth it on a regular basis, but like once a year, great. Exactly. Um, and I guess in similar veins, like good places that are nearby include whatever it's called. There's like a burger place in Crown. Um, I was oh, going to yeah. say Huxtaburger, but it's not Huxtaburger. Um, that's pretty good. There's a whole bunch of places up and down South Bank, really. Uh, and you can venture into the CBD for more. Um, Collins Street, there's Royal Stacks, which is kind of like uh, good. a Shake Shack clone. Um, it's not too far away, I guess, from PAX. It's kind of far away, but not f too far. Are there any places that aren't burger places? I don't know. Well, I mean, that's that's the that's pretty what you're having around a PAX type of thing. There's also like all those little bar places that are on the wharf thing. Yes. Um, I can't give you a better description than that because I always just wander out there kind of behind the convention center. I forget what that area is actually called. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's called the the 
oh, weird God. walkway. So things that I know are still there. There's like the Munich Brauhaus, which is uh, like a German-themed beer hall, but also has kind of like, I'm imagining things like sauerkraut and bratwurst and, and similar. Uh, Melbourne Public is, is probably our haunt of choice that we usually have our little survivor drink get together thing there have for years so we don't have a haunt anymore we can well, get a new one yeah well if oh we... well i think we're going there i've already picked that one because i knew it still oh, exists oh. there's well, like a sushi like place i think uh yeah probably there's what? loads of places like that if you want gaming bars you need to go a little bit further out so the only one i'm aware of this is Bartronica, uh which is pretty far away that's flinders lane but like you can get a tram and it's not too far. And there's a couple of others which I don't seem to know where they are because I've just kind of wandered in randomly. I think GG Easy is oh, Collins Street adjacent. Like GG Easy, like good game, easy. Like yeah. you can just just Google it. Again, not a fact based show. Uh, there's a tabletop centric place that I always forget the name of, but I went there with like Job and Luke when they were in town one time. It was pretty good, reasonably good. Um, I think that might be the one I've been to once, like years ago. You probably must have been there as well. Maybe you weren't. I can't remember. There's, it's one like that which feels less gamey, like it's game themed. It might be that tabletop one, because people are playing games at the table, but it was less like Biotronica. There's a Nintendo 64 in the corner style. Um, yeah, maybe it was that one. I can't remember. Like Melbourne's good for stuff, so just like find a hole in the wall, grab some friends. You're gonna be you know, hard pressed to find seats and stuff. So if you find a place, just like cling to it. Um, yeah. Earlier the better, but of course, you know, you don't want to eat dinner at three p.m. So just see how you go. Depends what you're doing. And come to my two panels uh, Friday at four if you want to learn how to pitch to uh, the likes of me, overworked and and overtired and jet lagged and without a lot of budget, and uh, see if you can persuade me to pay you to write something because i'd like to um by all means don't be hesitant but uh, i'll also be honest if we have no money um i've engaged with a whole bunch of like different writers like we have a, a big cis white male culture going on <laughs> unintentionally um so there's a whole bunch of people that i hope to engage soon which is cool uh and a new writer who actually went to school with eleni our first RMIT intern who's pitched like a fantastic article that I'm not going to say too much about, but is coming out as soon as it's written and it's quite engaging. So he's putting the advice that I have yet to give people into practice. Well, yeah, fantastic. These people don't even need you, Steve. They've already done it. And what's your other one on? Uh, 7 p.m. Saturday while you're at uh, the play on party, I'll be doing nerd quiz with uh, Alice Clark, Donald Wong, uh, Jess Zamet, and uh, Jam, who I forget their name in full. They are Alice's latest uh, mentee via Games Hub, and they seem like they're good fun. And I'm really sorry that I've forgotten their name in full, and it'll be fun. I'll learn it, and I'll talk about it next time. How about that? Cool, perfect. Well, you can go be a nerd on the quiz. Uh, that would go against... As much as I want to say people should go to see that, it would go against our own advice of once you get a seat at a table, stay there. Because that's prime time. That's dinner time, Steve. Uh, but if you're out watching panels, go watch that one. There's some panels go until like 10, 11 p.m. or something like that. So you even once the show does close, if you want to hang out at PAX, you still can and watch like a bunch of panels. I'd probably fall asleep if I did that, but you can do that. 
Look, I'll be honest, if it was 7 p.m. on a Saturday and I wasn't in a panel, I probably wouldn't go to a panel, so I, I, I don't feel bad if you don't make it. Uh, I have the option, I think, of taking my laptop and, like, recording both of the panels, so, like, maybe I will do that and we'll put them as, like, subsequent bonus downloads. I'm kind of toying with the idea of having to have a backpack and a laptop and stuff or not having anything um and i kind of think that one's gonna win but maybe um because alice is gonna be there all the time maybe i'll ask alice if she wants to record it and send me the recording same thing from seamus burn at bite side who is kind of the organizer and host of the friday panel i should probably remember to ask them about that i'm going to make a quick note while you launch us into our first proper yeah. topic, Ben. And in, well, they're proper topics. There's nothing bigger than PAX and you going overseas. But in terms of gaming news, Steve, uh, Overwatch 2 is here. So as of today, at recording time, we've finally been able to play it. Um, and it, it wasn't quite what I expected in that it wasn't a new game. It was a... I tried to download it because I just hit the tile on the home screen of Xbox and it kind of said, uh, you know, download Overwatch 2. And I hit it and it said, you already own this. And I thought, that's weird, but it doesn't really matter. Hit that, nothing installed went to my queue apparently it had already finished installed and i thought man this xbox which is fully turned off because of energy saver mode has somehow done some magic and already downloaded this free-to-play game no then it wants to update and it just updates the original overwatch with like a 23 gig download and turns it into overwatch 2 so uh not a complaint just an observation that that's a strange way to do things and it confused me a little bit but then it does eventually launch and you get into it. Um, did you actually manage to get a game today? Because there's been some issues on launch day in terms of getting in. Tell you what, I've got about six or seven games in. I didn't win a single one. Um, oh, and that could be why I'm angry. <laughs> but yeah. it was weird because on... So it went down for maintenance... What day is it today? The Wednesday. original game. Yeah. yeah. Overwatch 1 went down for maintenance, I think, Monday... Nope, like early Tuesday morning Australian time. So I, I was jet lagged as hell and I'm like, I got to try to stay up. I'm going to try to stay up. I'm going to do something. And I ended up playing probably like 10 matches of Overwatch on Monday night and like just steamrolled the competition. I was feeling like really good about it. And of course, like when you're winning, the game is good. Um, and just today, like, I don't know. Let's, I don't know if I'm awful or paired with just like inept people or something to do with like the way they've merged your accounts and brought you into the new overwatch and like paired you at your skill level that you think you have like maybe i'm just like crap compared off. to everybody okay. else i don't know like it was just i was playing attack or support and just like was always kind of on the objective not like just running in the open and just like getting mowed down if it, like as if it was call of duty but just like couldn't get teamwork going like i was the support person doing more damage than my attack people it's it's way faster to me than than the original overwatch it's it's now 5v5 instead of 6v6 like it just it was a lot of chaos and paired with all the stuff that you were saying about installation it's basically just like literally replaced on xbox anyway um yeah the original, the original. so like if you had any achievements in overwatch one you already have those in Overwatch 2. Not because it's, like, given you new achievements and copied it over. It's, like, literally Overwatch it's 2 not... has replaced Overwatch 1, which is weird. Yeah. So that there's no, no like, I'm... motivation to go and play more and, like, start from scratch and do, like, you know, like, the original things. Because you've already done that. You're just kind of continuing on. 
I cut you off. Yeah. Sorry. I don't mind that in that it's a free-to-play game. So it's, it's not like a Splatoon situation where it's a numerical sequel, but you need to pay full price again. It's, it's still free-to-play. But it is a little confusing in that I kind of thought it was going to be a separate new game and everything would start afresh um, and everyone would kind of be at the same point. But that's not the case. Uh, it's treating me like a totally new player. I had to do the tutorial, but I hadn't played much of the first game. I played a couple of hours. Um, and so to me, it felt like exactly the same game to the point that I even, like the map I was playing on, I remembered. And I was like, this is, I played this in 2016 or 17 or whenever it came out. Um, and obviously it is like the 5v5 versus 6v6. I don't remember what the player count was. So it just felt the same. Uh, I realized there has been some, obviously some serious balancing and there is changes to it. But it doesn't feel sequel change and i kind of feel like maybe maybe they should have called it overwatch something else like make it clear that this is like a big upgrade and a big refresh but maybe overwatch 2 wasn't quite the right name um 1.5 well <laughs> doesn't I, have the same know. ring to it but even the splash screen just says overwatch when you actually launch the game like it's that's the big brand did it need to be overwatch 2 I'm sure they had big debates about this and they've decided that's the easiest way to probably, they're probably trying to get new people in being that it's now like clearly free to play. Um, it's on a new console generation compared to what the last one launched on. I don't even remember if the first game was on switch or not, but this one is, um, it's kind of like a, it's definitely a reboot in that sense. And they, they probably got a massive influx of players. Um, I know they kind of had an attack today, which brought them down a little bit and made it harder to get in. But there's still like a lot of people trying to get in and play this game. So yeah. it probably revived a little bit, rejuvenated it. But is that going to be short term because people kind of realize, hang on a second, especially people like me who played the first one a little bit, are they going to come in and kind of say, this is the same thing? Not to say it's a bad game at all. I do quite like the concept of Overwatch. It just, it's not the, I kind of thought it would be different as someone who wasn't massively drawn into the first game. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I, I really like Overwatch, and I, I keep kind of dipping my toe back into it. But, I, yeah, like, I, I, I went back in out of curiosity, which I'm sure a lot of people are, and that's why the queues are so high. And, the, like, the DDoS attack didn't help, obviously. But, like, once you get in, like, there are, there are differences. It's a little bit faster. There's more, like, it's, it's more aggressive. Um, but, like, it's not anything new. And I've kind of, mm. like, I've, I've gotten all the achievements for the characters that I like and the ones that I don't really like, I don't really play. And, like, that's kind of, like, in, in terms of me, you know how I work. That's like, I have, I have achievements. So, like, oh, I haven't, I've, I've done all that. I'm, what's the next thing? Um, there's not a lot of reason to, to play more than I already would have if I just decided to play Overwatch one night. And I occasionally will just jump in and play Overwatch just for fun. But, like, I'm not, this isn't going to be, like, a main game that I have. It's just like, oh, okay. That's there, and now it's a two in it. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff coming, I suppose. Like uh, the the story based single was it single player? It's story based. It's probably co op story stuff. But like that's not here yet. So maybe in the future I'll kind of jump in and and want to play through it. But like I've I've had a couple matches. I'm kind of done already, to be honest. What if you, hypothetically, you weren't you, you weren't playing this for the achievements, you were just playing it because you love Overwatch. Uh, let's let's take a Gaetano-style player, for example, someone who's been <laughs> playing Overwatch quite regularly for five or so years, probably longer. Um, say you were that type of player, you were regularly playing it, maybe you fell off a little bit recently, would this bring you back in? Is it enough, is it different enough to kind of refresh it for that type of player? I don't, well... No, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think 
Tano is as the example here is, is really about like the Overwatch meta and still keeps up with it. Um, mm. And I think at a certain level you need to be that dedicated, need to be that across what's going on or else you're just going to get steamrolled or not have a, an enjoyable time. Or at least you need to have a regular group of players where like you can communicate properly or else you're just not going to have fun. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, anyone who's listening, but yeah, like it's, it's, it seems despite the changes kind of like more of the same so if you if you were playing overwatch regularly you're still going to play this regularly i don't think if you've been kind of like bitten by the overwatch bug there's a lot going for it at the moment does that make sense maybe yeah it's not it essentially kind of seems like a bit of a pointless exercise so far they've used it as an excuse to update some things but it's not going to drastically change the audience but I do think it will bring in new players. It will bring in people who think they've missed the first game and they'll try this one because they think it's a sequel and it's a new release. It kind of is, but it's kind of not. Uh, so I think that maybe that's what they're going for. They're trying to get new people in. Uh, some of those will stick around and they'll get into the meta, as you say, and they'll kind of get really into it and understand it and follow the community. And maybe that's what they want. And maybe people like you and I who occasionally dip in just play it as we played Overwatch 1. It's not drastically different for us. Well, I'd be like if you haven't played that much, I'd be keen to see what you think if you give it a little bit more of a go. Like, I'd imagine yeah. if you're like completely new to it, it there's this. I don't, I don't know how it works because like I've played too much. I didn't get any kind of. But I could have opted into a tutorial, but from what I understand, like if you haven't played before, you have to kind of play to earn the heroes and kind of like yeah. slowly evolve. So, like, there's probably a better onboarding experience if you have no experience whatsoever um maybe and i still think it's a bit overwhelming like you still have so many here like i've forgotten what the controls are and who the different characters are uh, and it kind of introduces you to one and it's like that's who you can play as but then of course as soon as you start playing everyone picks that guy because that's the one you've just done the tutorial as so only one guy can play him yeah um, and then it's like you got to pick someone else that maybe you vaguely remember so i think you have about half the characters unlocked and I played maybe three games and I unlocked three more characters. Like, it's pretty quick initially. I'm going to assume that slows down. Otherwise, they're just going to lose you pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they do try to introduce you. You do have to do a tutorial to a certain extent of just like how to shoot, how to capture a point, uh, how to change your hero. Not a huge deal. I definitely would have done this at some point. So there must be a cutoff that's kind of like, you haven't played enough. You need to do the tutorial again. Um, or you didn't fair. link your accounts properly because there was like this weird rigmarole. Yeah. yeah, I had to, I had to like make a new Battle.net account, and I must have had one. I can't imagine I didn't have one previously, but it said my email didn't exist, so I just made a new one. Uh, maybe I don't know. So maybe that's got something to do with it. Yeah. Well, and like it, it, it's very overwhelming because no character plays the same, obviously, mm. and you have so many abilities, and it's it's. One, it's it's difficult to try to figure out exactly what your fingers are doing, and another thing altogether to like coordinate that in an effective manner, and on top of that, it's another thing to coordinate in an effective manner with those around you, which you need to do. I don't know if that's changed a, a terrible amount, six v six versus five v five, but like, if like I, for similar. some reason all the games I played, I just was like I was on the objective and people were around me, and then just like everyone I played with, like scattered to the wind because they were more concerned with like staying alive than working as a team to try to do anything. And if you do that, like you're you're bound to fail. So there's there's a lot of lessons to be learned 
and like I know the I know the lessons. I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but like I don't know how the onboarding process takes someone new and curious about Overwatch Two to like where they need to be. So who knows? We'll see how it plays out. I think I'm going to stick with it for a little while, at least until Modern Warfare Two comes out as a multiplayer game to play. Uh, but yeah, you're right. That's the hardest thing getting back into it after years is each character plays so differently so like when you jump in and who you're going to play as is already taken so oh, i have to pick someone else pretty quickly because you don't have much time to think about it and then it's like well i know i can shoot and i can see kind of what my gun is but that's the easy part it's now what does like left trigger do because in most shooters that's just going to be aimed down the sides. but in this game it could be one of a number of things and like even how does my guy sprint like they all sprint differently some of them just like lurch forward some some, like, some don't yeah yeah some don't yeah. and it's just it's and because these all have cooldowns at different rates as well, it's very much like a while you're dying. That's why it's, I imagine some people have scattered because they're playing new. They're trying to figure out who their character is and they're like, just trying to figure out what they can do first. They're ignoring the objective. Yeah. And I, that's the wrong way to play Overwatch. But I kind of get it if you don't know what your guy's doing. And I'm not one to go play. Let's do a practice against the AI to figure out this new character. I'm not going to do that for 20 characters. So it's... Well, and, yeah. and you do that, and it's like versus AI who like don't move. Like it's it's almost useless to a point because like it's you're you're learning how to use the abilities, but you're not using how to learn them. Not like, how to use them properly. Yeah. yeah. But hey, and then, give it a go. Back, it's, um, it's free to play, so like you know, the only thing that's really costing you to try it is your time. So, oh, right, and, and like literally your time waiting for the cues to to dissipate, but. <laughs> Hey. Hopefully that improves. It takes about half an hour to even get in at the moment, but hopefully in a couple of episodes' time we'll we'll loop back to this, see how it's going. Exactly. Um, if mm. if you're playing, let us know how you're going. Uh, I'd be curious to hear what you think about it because I know some of you who are listening. I know some of you who are listening. Um, we're already playing because I saw you in my friends list. So Ooh. call it out. Uh, what else? What else do we got, Ben? Uh, well, you know, I hate to harp on about this, but it's just, it's happened again so quickly that I feel like we need to very briefly bring it up. And that is yet another remake slash remaster slash reimagining slash whatever you want to call it from a first party game from Sony in Horizon Zero Dawn is getting, well, I think it's going to be a remaster, but it got reported by some places as remake. We're not going to get bogged down in that again. It's one of those two things. And on the Sony scale, that can range from like a $15 update if you're already on the game, which we saw with things like Uncharted all the way through to The Last of Us, which is a $125 remake. Um, could be anywhere in there. We don't really know what it is. I think it's probably going to be maybe the first one or somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think the um, only in the middle one is maybe like a $30 upgrade, which is what we saw with uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Um, yeah, but that so, was a director's cut. I think it included DLC or something. Like There was yeah. some level of content. Um, that's I think that's reasonable. Like a small upgrade fee, if it's going to be a reasonable remaster the only thing is like these games launched in a pretty good state only five or so years ago so it's it's not like it's a sd game getting a full hd remake it's going to go from like 1080p to you probably already had a 4k version on ps4 pro potentially it um, sort of did um so like zero dawn was a 2017 game on ps4 which is like pretty late in the ps4 uh, cycle obviously not ps5 yet but it's it's been patched for ps5 not like fully upgraded to ps5 but it runs in like checkerboard 2160p at yeah, like a, cool. a pretty stable 60 frames so in terms of like on ps5 mm. like it's it's running 
like Great. air quotes a PS5 game already. It's not like native 4K, obviously, and like obvi- and uh, Forbidden West had a whole bunch of extra things. And I guess that's the crux of this potential rumored remaster. It's like taking the accessibility and probably the character models as, as much as it can be from the PS5 game, putting them into PS4, kind of like the Last of Us re-remaster, remake, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, but like one was 10 years old and one is five years old. Five years old. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and without okay. a price. And, you know, if it's if it's 15 bucks, great. Like, I'll, I'll pay 15 bucks. But if it's 125 Australian, that's a harder yeah. sell. That's it. You're even out of it. You can, if you can buy the PS4 version for 10 bucks, which you can right now, and then you can upgrade that for 15 bucks to get that small jump in, in quality and a few more features, that's fair enough. I'm happy with that. Um, for remake too soon, it does not need that at all. So I think the real question is where is the line for these type of games? Because obviously people keep buying them. They must sell well enough for Sony to say that's easy money. Let's just keep doing it. They're running out of games to remaster. Yeah. Uh, and now they've kind of moved into remake territory. So five years old, um, I, like they, they kind of did it with like Death Stranding. That got an upgrade about three years out. But again, that's, that's a move over generation $15 upgrade. I think that's kind of fine at any point. Yeah. Um, it's the, the bigger price and the bigger remake that needs a longer time. Like one, we're going to criticize Sony for, if it, especially if it's 125 bucks, like kind of double dipping and doing this ridiculousness. Like, I yeah. guess there are arguments though. Like the, the Horizon TV show is coming out soonish, and like this will probably be timed for that. And if you've never played the game before, you can buy the $125 fancy PS5 version and like no skin off your back, it's new to you. Um, but like, like nothing's in a vacuum. You can't just like look at it from that perspective and say, oh, it's fine. Like you have to look at it from, you know, there's smart delivery on Xbox. Like uh, Overwatch 2 is a great example. Like on PS, entirely different trophy set. Like it's, it's basically a, a different game, even though you're not paying for that one. Where like most of the Xbox games and Xbox remasters or touch-ups are just like for free. Here you go. Don't pay us any extra money. Like, ta-da. And yeah. at Sony's worst, they're trying to charge you 125 for something equivalent. So it's, you know, like if people are buying it, like you said, it's hard to fault Sony for doing it. But like, it's still not good. No, no, I think the a game we'll talk about in a second is kind of the benchmark in Cyberpunk launching on at the time last gen systems didn't launch on the current gen. It only launched. I know it was like a month in, but it's only launched on the old systems. Uh, and then when it was finally ready, they didn't charge you again. They just kind of say, here's the upgrade. And it was not a drastic update, but it was enough to make it run better. And it was enough to kind of be like, you're probably better off waiting and playing this version, which is what I'm doing right now. Uh, and so anything which is that level or less kind of seems like a ripoff by that as the standard. Like that's the precedent um, for a massive game to do. And it's third party. So there's no console favoritism or anything like that or different ways of doing things because Xbox is not going to do it because it's, it's their thing they've kind of said that we're not doing that we're trying to avoid that entirely and they got the funding to do that whereas sony don't so it's a different situation so i think a third party is an easy one to look at uh and that's the level if sony are going to do better than that by all means charge for a full remake but if it's less give us a 15 mil upgrade instead yeah well and like this isn't a thing it doesn't exist yet but like i'm pretty sure my thoughts are gonna be and i'll if i'm wrong i'll let you know like, if you haven't played this before, buy the $10, $15 total copy of the game and 
have to suffer through the 2017 graphics and frame rate, which, you know, like on a PS5 or up to 60 frames, like you're not really suffering. Or like if you're super hard pressed, I guess drop $125, but I don't know. We don't know that's the case yet. I'm I'm thinking it might lean towards the first one. It's going to be like Uncharted. It'll be a I hope a so. Yeah. I don't I I I am pessimistic, but I hope that's the case cuz then I'll have less to be pessimistic about. So, I'll happily eat my words. Mark mark my words. I will apologize if I assumed incorrectly. Or okay. I'll gloat when I'm right. <laughs> we'll we'll wait and see. Uh, cuz that one's still a little while away. Uh What's even further away is CG Project Red's like 50 games they announced today, which are going to take decades to be released. It's not actually 50, it's, but it's it's a lot. It is um, a lot. They kind of outlined their timeline for what I'm thinking is at least like at least a decade, if not longer, probably longer. Um, so to very quickly summarize, they announced an entirely new Witcher trilogy. So three games that are apparently going to be released within a six-year period, which they're making themselves. Then they have an entirely separate Witcher game that's made by an unnamed external developer. I think they named then them they all. Have... In the... Oh, wait, hold on. One they did, one they, they didn't. Named... That one's the one they didn't. Not being a fact-based show, I didn't note down what the other one's called anyway. It's the ones um... who made the Flame of the Flood. Sorry. Anyway, keep going. Well, so that's that's the, the first spin-off is a Witcher game made by an unnamed studio. The second one is called Codename Sirius, and that's a game in the Witcher universe. So that was a different terminology. The first one was a Witcher game. This one was like a game in the Witcher universe, which suggests different characters, possibly. It's just Gwent. Uh, you know, yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah, that could, be, that could be it, actually. <laughs> I've done that before, though. Yeah. So that's another external developer. So there's five games there, all in the Witcher series, three made by CG Projekt Red themselves. Then they announced Codename Orion, which is a cyberpunk sequel, which I'm thinking is going to be a long time away. Because if you recall, they announced Cyberpunk 2077 in 2012, and it came out in 2020, and the real version came out in 2021. Uh, so we're eight, nine years later. And there's still DLC um, for 2077 coming. There's that weird like murder mystery thing. I can't remember the name of it. That was just yeah. announced recently. So they're making that themselves, and then Codename Hadar, which is another, oh, it's a new IP from CG Project Red. So that's, they've committed to five games themselves there, plus a few which they kind of are overseeing from external de yeah. developers. Seven, seven total. Yeah. Seven. And that's seven total. How long do you think it's going to take to get some of these games? I think we're pushing beyond this generation, probably beyond the next one. Yeah, they're, yeah, and like, <sighs> Definitely, absolutely, definitely. I, I like six years for the the Witcher trilogy, which I don't think is coming out anytime no, reasonably soon. They didn't. They said the games, the, the three games, will be released within a six year period. They didn't say within the next six years. Yeah. So I reckon we the the Link School new Witcher game is probably not until let's say twenty twenty four, and that's mm. probably being kind. It might even be twenty twenty five. Eh, who knows so like that's what we're already into 2030 by the time that last one comes out theoretically not even theoretically probably accurately probably yeah yeah um and so one of the games i can't remember which is um being i think it's hadar or no one of the games is being worked on by like cd project red boston and vancouver okay. like so they have a whole bunch of studios but like i don't think they have like they're not going to be churning these out anytime soon that project hadar the new ip um went into concept in 2021 last year so if it's in conceptual stage like they're not 
working on code or anything yet. So, like, that's what four, five, well, based six on years. Cyberpunk being announced, that's like eight, nine, ten years potentially. Yeah. And they're they're working on other stuff too. So, like, no doubt, as we've always seen with these multi-studio developers, one of the games gets closer to being shipped, and all the studios pause what they're doing for a year or two, and they go help finish that game. And so, whatever they're doing gets pushed back. <laughs> Uh, that's like that's what Ubisoft do all the time now. And in the case of Cyberpunk, uh, yeah. sh- ship it too early and then spend the next year and a half getting everybody on board to fix what should have been fixed before it came out. So I, th- I think they've learned their lesson. I think that's not going to happen. Um, there was a real... Uh, like when they announced the Witcher trilogy, the first of the, the three games, like that was the big thing. It's like, oh, it's on un- it's Unreal. It's, it's, you know, it's a tried and true engine. Don't worry about that. And they... They definitely threw that in for, I think, at least... Well, probably the whole trilogy, for one. No, definitely the whole trilogy. And, like, maybe two extra games. Like, they were very... Because this was to investors, really, not not us. Like, they were very, like, it's going to be stable. Don't worry. Like, less effort there, because we're just using a a tried-and-true engine. Um, Which is good. Like, it's... You kind of need that assurance, given what happened to Cyberpunk. Committing now to three games in six years seems a bit bold to me, considering how long they've taken to get their current games out. Like, they had Witcher 3 in 2015, Cyberpunk in 2020, and they're still working on that now. So it just seems like a lot. And even if it's kind of a thing, they do it like Lord of the Rings style, where they start in kind of all three at once. Um, and these don't come out for three or four. The first one's not out for three or four years, and they've already started the next ones after that, maybe, because they know they're going to sell like crazy. So that would be a smart way to do it. It still seems quick. Uh, well, I think. Sorry. Yeah. I think like The Witcher One is very different from The Witcher Two. The Witcher Two is very different from The Witcher Three. I don't think mm-hmm. we're gonna see that difference in this new trilogy. I think it's gonna be like the same core, and almost like Blood and Wine, and the other DLC for The Witcher Three were like pretty large self-contained but part of the whole chunks like i don't think we're gonna get that out of the trilogy i think we're gonna get like three kind of games that are already maybe like planned and it's kind of just like populating the quest lines and like getting from a to b or a to z so maybe that's it instead of a main game and two pretty hefty expansions it's what they call in three games which is kind of the same amount of content as what The Witcher 3 Plus expansions were, but it's just released as three games. That would still be a lot of content. And it, yeah, if it's not a 150-hour game three times, I'm kind of cool with that, to be honest. Like, I'd rather have it separated into three. And some, like, you know, it's a confirmed it's trilogy. They've got the money for it, so you might as well, like, you know, do that Marvel Cinematic Universe thing of, like, ending on a cliffhanger, because, you know, the next one's going to come. That actually could be a much better way to play it, so potentially very promising uh, and as you say more more accessible for less time um available people it'll uh, still be a lot of time though <laughs> i think it might be like a 20 30 hour main quest line and a 100 hour if you want to do all the side stuff which is fine if that's that's what you want to do that's a great way to do it uh maybe one of the two kind of side witcher games from external developers will come before that if that's like a few years away, maybe one of them is further along in development than we know about, and maybe that kind of slots in. Uh, probably the one which is the the main Witcherish game, as opposed to the one in the Witcher universe, because that could probably come alongside a full trilogy. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's hard to yeah figure out where they slot in, and then where does Cyberpunk fit in? Well, there's so many unknowns. Like, is this new Witcher trilogy following like Siri, 
is is Geralt still around? Like, if, if it's not Geralt, like, is that the side story? Like, is he relegated to side story? Like, there's all these cool things that they could potentially do. And, like, it's, it's all so unknown. Yeah. But they've obviously spent time to craft, you know, like, some sort of time, timeline. Well, or maybe. That's, that's what you thought when Disney bought Star Wars, and it turns out they did not give a shit. So, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, I hope that CD Projekt Red won't burn us, because, like, The, the Witcher is absolutely fantastic and like the tv show is doing really well um in the same kind of vein like that i haven't seen cyberpunk edge runner yet which is the netflix animated show but like it's it's getting rave reviews so that's probably bringing people back to cyberpunk you said you haven't seen it so that's obviously not why you're back into cyberpunk like what's what's the draw card for you well i'm back with like everyone else because cyberpunk like despite being nearly two years old just hit like its steam and i think one of the consoles like top played lists like it's it's hit its best time ever uh and i think it is because of edge runners it's done like really well it's got a massively positive reception so i'm keen to check it out at some point um i've only restarted it because i've hit that point of my backlog of there's nothing like it's been sitting there for ages i've been meaning to play it and the only reason I haven't is because it's kind of been like, ah, oh, this has got like, it's such a, it's a big game and it's a commitment to play it. And I've decided to like, ever since I finished Elden Ring, I've been putting off starting another big game because it's just going to be effort. As you know, after Elden Ring, I played Mass Effect 3. And then I was like, I just need to have a break from like, I just need small games. But there's like a window now just before like God of War is still a month or so away. Now's the time to get a good chunk out of the way. Um, and it's a good game. It's just, it's a commitment to play it. Uh, I rushed through The Witcher 3 so quickly and it's not not the way to play it. That was because I was committed to my craft and I had to get that review out straight away. Um, I don't even have to save for it because it was on like a debug PS3 or 4. Oh, that's right. Um, so I had got like my 90-hour game, which I don't even have. <laughs> and I've always been like, I'll play it again. It's fine. But of course, I haven't played it again. Um, but look, it's that's a, another it's a one. Big commitment. It's a big commitment. That's getting a current-gen upgrade. Did it get it already? Uh, has I think has. I was going to say yet another one they're working on um, but as you say the CG Project Red announced all this stuff to investors and it's kind of it's similar to Ubisoft announcing 105 Assassin's Creed games are coming uh, I think it's it's mainly to appease investors that kind of probably realized we're at the point where this stuff is going to get leaked publicly so they may as well just tweet it as well uh, and there's always like it kind of seems like someone puts it on their LinkedIn and then they change job and it gets leaked that way if it doesn't get leaked by our investors. So that seems to be the reason why. But it also does seem like they're announcing way too much stuff too quickly. Like the the excitement of the big reveal somewhere, the logo coming up on screen, it's kind of gone now. We know that there's like Witcher coming forever. We know that there's a Cyberpunk sequel. Uh, but it, it just seems to be how it is now. Well, and but the weird, the weird, like antithesis of this is not is not a cd project red but like on the other hand you have ea who's done absolutely nothing with need for speed they announced that they were making a new game in 2020 they mm. took ghost games and made it criterion and then they acquired Codemasters and put that into criterion and they've been working on the game in whatever configurations they're in till now it's coming out this year and like that's all we've really heard, like an investor call saying, yeah, it's still coming out. And I think there's a reveal next week, but like, there's not many months left in the year. There's not a dedicated release date for this Need for Speed game. There's not a name for this Need for Speed game. Like, that's the other side of this thing. Like, when is the marketing plan <laughs> coming to fruition here? 
We saw that a little bit for games in 2020, like the early pandemic days, people just like, no one knew what was going to happen, so they just didn't announce stuff. And then they would just like tweet, oh yeah, this game's coming out in two months, we haven't even announced it yet. And I kind of got that because like there were no big events, no one really knew, I'm going to assume up until pretty close to getting to that gold point, going gold, that it's, this is definitely coming out. Like there were just so many delays. But now that it's getting a little more on track, I think it sounds like Need for Speed may have had a few issues and that's why. Uh, or a few unknowns. Maybe they, they weren't committed to it coming out this year until kind of like now. And they're kind of like, well, we'll just wait until we definitely know, then we'll announce it. Or they're um, waiting to know that like Forza's definitely not coming out or something. Um, yeah, that's a, bit, that's a suspicious one. But, but that's well, happening a bit less. Well, and it's, it's a good segue, I think, because we're running we're running low on time, man. That's a good segue to this this week or fortnight or whatever we're calling it now in delays. We've We've got some new ones. And uh, one of the big ones, of course, is Skull and Bones, which was on again, off again, on again, off again, in limbo, maybe cancelled, back again. Uh, it was supposed to come out sometime this year, I think November. Uh, it's it's recently been delayed uh, a fourth time in as many years, or maybe yeah. even less, uh, to March 2023. Like, is this almost vaporware? Is it, like, borderline becoming... Beyond Good and Evil 2, which Ooh. is now like the most delayed game of all time or something. I don't know if that's true, but... Don't call it Duke Nukem 3D, which did eventually come out and was an absolute <laughs> shocker. Forever. Uh, forever, that's what I'm thinking of, yes. Duke Nukem never. Um, <laughs> yeah, this was a weird one, though, because it's like, as you say, it was announced so many years before. I think it was announced 2018, maybe even 2017. Like, it was ages ago. Um, and then it was like it got the release date this year, so they must have been confident. I think this is what EA was trying to avoid. And then, like, it was it was only last week it got delayed. It's like five weeks out from its release, they delayed it. Like, it was a huge marketing push. Like, it was like, oh, it's back. Yeah. And like, here's a, like it had a whole like place of pride in the Ubisoft forward or whatever it, that thing it was called. to do with. Like, it had some playtesting or something, and then reception was negative. It was they put a that that got workshop by their comms team pretty heavily, and it was. We've heard you and we've realized that this is a great game and it's ready to go and it's definitely totally finished, but maybe we could make it a little bit better. Um, so maybe March is not going to be, it's going to get delayed again, potentially. Uh, no, it can't, but it's like... At, at a certain point, they're just going to push it out and just hope for the best. Like, it, it, I think the last time I saw it, maybe the first time I saw it, was like 2017 or 2018. And mm. like, it played like the, the pirate ship battles of Black Flag. It, which, which and, did. and Black Flag was good because that had more things around it. <laughs> but like you that's know, all it was. Has it been delayed a fifth time even? Because I'm I pretty sure be. it got announced the same year as Sea of Thieves. And it was very much a wise... And it was meant to come out that same year. So I think that was... Was that 2017? Or was that 2018? I think... 18 I, maybe. One Whenever of the two. Whenever it was, it kind of seemed weird that we've suddenly... Like we had Black Flag in 2013, 2014. And then we had a bit of a lull and it was kind of like Ubisoft should have done more with that cool pirate game which they essentially built Assassin's Creed around. Uh, and they kind of did. They did Assassin's Creed Rogue and they kind of left it. And then Rare had this pirate game which was all multiplayer focused and it kind of seemed like Ubisoft is doing the same thing but a little more seriously and then it just disappeared. So like it must have been 2018 because then I was at E3 in 2019 and it was just like we don't know what that game is. Uh, don't ask us anything. <laughs> uh, something like that. I, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it, it didn't really make me excited to play it back then. It needed work. And, like, I kind of feel like we're still at that point now. Like, it went to playtesting for the general public 
ish, like a closed test, obviously. And like, I feel like that same sentiment is kind of being echoed back now. <laughs> so like, I don't know what you can do. Maybe yeah. like it's time has passed. Like, I think Ubisoft would have been better to strike while the iron was hot and just like push it down yeah. your throats, like black flag timed. Um, yeah, I think they wanted to have some legs, but I mean, like, Sea of Thieves launched and it kind of died straight away, and they slowly rebuilt it. But that wasn't nothing to do with the play, like the gameplay. That was fine. It was just it had no content in it. Yeah, uh, and that slowly rebuilt, and now it's still doing quite well years later. So, Fallen Bones, I think they're trying to avoid that. They're trying to have something which is successful at launch, but as you say, they need to push it out at some point. Uh, it must have got some pretty bad criticism for them to say five weeks out, don't launch. And I guess in a, in a similar sort of related vein, like Grounded from Obsidian finally, you know, came out of early access and is a full-fledged game and has a story mode and all this kind of thing. And like, I don't know, I played it before and I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not digging this, it's not for me. I played it again, I'm still not really not digging it, it's not for me, but there's, it's a, it's yeah. a more robust <laughs> release if you're so Certainly. inclined. Certainly some benefits doing that early access style release and getting your community to play test for you and to get it up to that quality you want when you launch it. But doing that over two years or whatever they've done, I don't care that ground is launched. Xbox tried to make a point of like, look, this game at 1.0, we're finally releasing it. It's kind of like, that's an old game. It's kind of like, if like it only works because this is a Game Pass game that's digital only. They try to now put it in a shop, you know, on disc, on a shelf for $99. Everyone would say this game should be 10 bucks. Like it's, it's ancient. Yeah, and we well, get that you, as developers, think you've just finished it, but to us, it feels like it came out years ago. Well, and maybe that's what Ubisoft needs to kind of do, like put it out on Ubisoft Connect, put it out on Game Pass, put it out through the Ubisoft channel of the PlayStation, whichever plus tier you like, need to be on, and kind of just like put it out and you know refine it as you go, and be like, eh, it's enjoy it if you want, and kind of just like cut their losses. Hmm. Well, we've had that. We've also had Company of Heroes 3 has been delayed until February 2023, which is surely going to be one of our last games to be delayed out of this year. We're already into October. You can't have too many more. I think that was meant to come out in November, December. Uh, you, there can't be too much more stuff to be delayed. That one's not a big delay, though. My only concern is, why have you selected February 2023? That month is absolutely jam-packed. There's like a game out every day. It's ridiculous. Like, either go well january's pretty busy too like push back if you're going to delay now push back to like may june the start of the year is ridiculous yeah i don't know i guess like it's a very niche game it's rts i don't think it's a lot of rts coming out in february but also just like we all have finite amounts of time so mm. if you're sort of an rts fan that's maybe going to be the bottom of your list so questionable you're right hmm well, that's, uh, that's us for this week in delays. We finally got to the end of this show. We're going to be back <laughs> next week. Uh, and we're going to have been at PAX. We're going to have seen games in the flesh, in person. Uh, and we'll be able to debrief all of that. And we may even run into some of you. You may at some of your panels. Yeah, come say hi. Um, if you see us, by all means, I'll, uh, I'll maybe have... If I don't have a backpack, I'll still have a bunch of Survivor stickers or something. So if you see cool. me and say hi, you might get like some swag yourself out of it. It's not uh, it's not an Amazon Prime Video the boys pin, but it'll maybe you can hold your beer in a Survivor stubby holder because you know highly sought after. I'll take one. Uh, I'll, I'll give you one. You don't have to even find me, Ben. I'll just I'll pick you up from the airport and it'll be the first thing I give to you. How's yeah. that? What's uh, way? And you can use it at the parties that we go to. I think we're going to the Bethesda World of Bethesda thing 
that nice, which is off, uh, yes. open to the public the whole weekend. Check it out. Like Starfield and Wolfenstein yeah, and cool. Fallout things. Hopefully they have that those themed drinks and food options. I know they had the Elder Scroll scroll at PAX a few years ago. A scroll named after a... An edible scroll named after a paper scroll. It was pretty good. Uh, and no doubt they'll have some weird drinks as well. So go for those ones. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Ben, how do we find... Oh, like, I'll see you in two days, but we'll talk to everybody. You know what I mean. Uh, jet lag. How do we find you on the internet? I am Ben underscore Salter on Twitter. Where do we find you? S right A U and in person on Friday and Saturday, as I've already detailed at PAX Oz in panels and at the Melbourne public, probably most other times, uh, buy me a beer. Maybe I'll buy you a beer. I'm buying a lot of people a beer already. So, uh, buy me a beer. That'd be great. All right. We'll see how that goes. Uh, certainly you'll get a stubby holder. Come and find us for some swag. We'll find Steve for some swag. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Done. <laughs>